We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's talk about part three of today's show. Uh, I'm going to do it a little briefly, and then I'm going to get into the mailbag uh, so I, we can get out of here pretty pretty soon. I've got a got some guys di- cutting my yard, so I got to go out there and, and deal with that here in a little bit. But I I want to look at this Notre Dame offense, and and um, I have some comments I want to make about the future of the Notre Dame offense. And it goes like this: Number one is I love a lot about what Marcus Freeman is doing in Notre Dame. I've said this before. But there's one concern I've always had from day one, and it was not so much about Marcus Freeman, but just defensive coaches in general. The biggest question I always ask when you hire defensive coaches, is he going to let the offense go or is he going to be one of those guys that views the offense as being a compliment to the defense? So everything I do defensively is what I wish they would have done when I was a defensive coordinator. Well, the reality is, is a defensive coordinator doesn't necessarily always have the proper mindset of what's best for the entire team, right? And, and you can have a, a defense that's great, and an offense that's explosive and scores a lot. And my concern the first couple of years with Coach Freeman, and I understood it last year because you didn't have the quarterback play last year, but my concern is that he is handcuffing the offense too much. Why bring in Sam Hartman and let him have him run the offense they're running against Ohio State and dual Duke and Louisville? It doesn't make sense. You've got to understand, and I've broken this down before, you have to be you have to understand that in today's football, yes, you have to be really good on defense. To, for Notre Dame to win a championship, they cannot win with Oklahoma's defense and some of these other teams that have won championships, LSU's defense, because Notre Dame's never going to have a 49-point-per-game offense, in my opinion, like LSU 2019. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't know that they can have even Clemson 2018. I think they get close to it, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but I don't know that that's what you're necessarily building to. But you, So you need a great defense. And, um, so, so when I, when I look at this situation and I look at the offense and and coach Freeman's going to have to say, okay, I thought we could win this way, but we can't, we can't beat the best teams scoring 14 points because you're playing games against Ohio state. I said it yesterday. You held, you've held Ohio state in the last two years to an average of 19 points per game, 19 points per game. You're 0-2. You're on two. 
You held USC a touchdown below their season average last year. You lost, right? The only really good team you've beat in the last two years is a Clemson team whose offense is very mediocre. Just is. It's not a very good offense. It wasn't last year. They, they, they weren't a good offense. And, and so Coach Freeman's got to understand that you've got to turn your offense loose. Now, that doesn't mean that you play this high up tempo, run 100 plays, try to get 50 type of offense. I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying you've got to throw the ball 70 times a game. Playing in the Midwest, when you get to October, November, you can't be a team that throws the ball 50, 60 times a game. Look at Ohio State against Michigan the last two years. Two years ago, I kept hearing all these Ohio State fans talk about, oh, you know, was the, the weather cost us against Michigan. You play football in Columbus, Ohio. should never complain about the weather, ever, ever. So you've got to be able to run the football, play physical football. All those things are true. But there's this misnomer that you can't be physical and explosive. That's false. You can't be a team that runs the football and scores a lot of points. You can't be a team that runs the football and plays with pace and tempo. And I think all that's false. I think that's absolutely false. I don't believe that. Uh, I don't think that that's something that that really gets to the point where, um, where Notre Dame needs to be. Notre Dame needs to be a team that's aggressive on offense, that runs the football, that's physical, but also is a team willing to take shots. Now, to do that, you need skill talent. You need receivers that can do those things. You need receivers that can win one-on-one. Right now, Notre Dame doesn't have a lot of receivers, uh, and that includes Tobias Merriweather, who I like a lot. They do not have a lot of guys that, to me, are going to go out right now and win a bunch of one-on-one battles. As good as Jaden Greathouse is, he's more of a, a guy that is, at this point in time, a system guy. He's a guy that that – now, I think that can eventually change. I'm talking about right now, 2023. Chris Tyree is is not that guy because he's not quite advanced enough as a route runner to be able to do those things. You need guys can win one-on-one, but you also need a scheme that does more to get guys open. USC has really good players can win one-on-one, but their scheme is great to get guys open. And to me, Notre Dame has too much of this like Clemson 2016-18 type of offense where it's just relying on your players to be really good. And that's fine to a degree. But you also, the best offenses, scheme it as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I think of like the Stanford teams that were really dynamic early in the 2000s under Jim Harbaugh and David, when David Shaw was the offensive coordinator. Uh, and then when David Shaw took over as head coach, 
I mean, Stanford 2011 scored 43.2 points per game. 43.2 points per game. And Andrew Luck is your quarterback. Yeah, it was great. You know, you threw for 270 yards a game. You rushed for 210 yards a game. You're averaging 48 points per game. And to me, why can't Notre Dame be that kind of team? I think the Stanford 2020 team or 2010 team, uh, which was Harbaugh's last year, might be even a better example because, you know, again, you had had Andrew Luck. You know, he threw for 256 a game, 32 touchdowns, eight picks. And you rushed that season for 213 yards a game with Stephen Taylor. He's a good player, but he's not an elite player. You go out there and and, and you, you know, you had – Doug Baldwin, Ryan Whalen, Kobe Fleener, Chris Awusu. I mean, good players, but no elite players. Notre Dame can certainly recruit better skill than that. Can they have a quarterback like Andrew Luck? No, not many guys are like that. But they they got some really good ones coming in. And then you look at that team that year. Their defense gave up 17.4 points per game, right? I mean, and that's with giving up 52 to Oregon in a game where they played really poorly. The next year they come out against Oregon, and they again, they gave up a lot of points. But then 2012, they were able to shut Oregon down. They just didn't have the athletes because here's the thing. Stanford never had the perimeter athletes that Notre Dame is getting right now. They never had a, the kind of corner tandems that Notre Dame is getting and the kind of athleticism at linebacker that Notre Dame is bringing in in its current sophomore and freshman classes in next season. You know, So to me, you've got to have an offense that's willing to be aggressive. You can run the football and be aggressive. You can throw the football and be aggressive. You can care about your defense not being overworked and still be aggressive. And to me, that's a mentality that Coach Freeman is going to have to adopt. Otherwise, Notre Dame under him is going to be talented enough to go 10-2 and two almost every year and then maybe occasionally make that playoff run. But uh, you know, And I mean a real playoff run, not getting in in a 12-team playoff and getting beat in the quarters. I mean like a real playoff run where you're a semifinalist, you're a championship team, they might be able to do that, but to me, they're not going to be able to win the games they need to win to to be a title team playing the way that they're playing right now. And, and I don't mean execution-wise. Yes, execution's got to get better. Certainly, it's got to get better. But it's about philosophy. And when I mean philosophy, I'm not talking about Jared Parker's. I'm not talking about Tommy Reese's. I'm not talking about Andy Ludwig's. I'm talking about your philosophy as a football coach, as the head football coach, because you set the tone. You set the tone of, of what you think your of your what your offensive coordinator's mindset is. Well, I can't call that because that play might end up not working out real well. So I'm not going to take that risk because coach told me he wants me to do this. You can be a team that cares about protecting the football and still be explosive. And, and again, yes, the talent's got to get better. But you're not maximizing the talent you do have in order to go out and, and maximize to, to be the team you're capable of being. You're underperforming with what you have. And the underperformance is coming from a lack of the philosophy needed to maximize those players. That's the problem. And Mike Farino just said it. When you're a low-scoring team, your margin for error is significantly lower offensively Notre Dame against Ohio state. They didn't have, they had six possessions. I believe in that game, you got to be pretty perfect to be, to be able to score enough points to win against a team like Ohio state. And I've said this a million times, all limiting possessions does means you lose by a lower margin, a lower score. If you'd played more up tempo against Ohio state and you don't execute, 
you, you lose 41 to 38, 31 to 28. That's what the score is. When you minimize possessions and don't execute, you lose 17 to 14. The best chance you have, you've got to execute at a high level, but you also have to be a team that puts pressure on the opponents. And Notre Dame does not play and has not played in a, for a long time. Pre-Marcus Freeman and currently under Marcus Freeman, they have not played the kind of football that puts pressure on defenses. Philosophically, they don't put pressure on defenses. That's got to change. And if Marcus Freeman were to fire Jared Parker at the end of the year, and I'm not advocating for that, because what I first want to see is maybe Jared Parker's not the guy. Maybe he's not. But what I want to see first is take the handcuffs off him. Let him go do what he wants to do. Let him go attack. Let him do the things he believes in. And if he's not good enough, hire somebody else. But if the philosophy doesn't change and you fire Jared Parker, you're going to hire somebody else who's going to be with the same handcuffs. And guess what? They're going to underachieve as well. That's got to change. The reason that's got to change more than anything, more than even beyond just, hey, that's what it takes to win football games. It's this right here. If you look at Notre Dame's young players and the players they have coming in in the 24 class, Notre Dame is going to start having some big-time, big-time, big-time talent on offense real soon. It's already starting. You're already seeing it. Look at Jeremiah Love. We're not even seeing Jadarian Price even be to who he is at this point in time. He's going to get there. He's an explosive athlete. You've got Jaden Greathouse. You've got Rico Flores, who's a good complimentary player. Tobias Merriweather is a talented kid. Jordan Faison. Uh, Braylon James is a talented kid. Cooper Flanagan's already on the field. Holden Stace and Eli Raritan are only sophomores. They're just sophomores, right? You've got Kenny Minchie who's a talented player. You've got C.J. Carr coming in next year, quarterback, who's a dynamic player. And I'm not even going to get into 25 yet. We'll talk about that down the road. I'm talking about immediate reinforcements. Quarterback-wise, you're going to be more physically gifted next year than you are this year. You won't be as experienced, so there's going to be some of those growing pains. But you're going to be more physically gifted next year. Receiver, you've got the young players. You've got Tobias. You've got it, it, I'm going sophomore down. You've got Tobias in the sophomore class, who's a dynamic athlete. You've got Jaden Greathouse, who is, who's going to catch a bunch of balls at Notre Dame. You've got Rico Flores. You've got Braylon James. You've got Jordan Faison now. You're bringing in Cam Williams, who's, who's, who's going to be the most explosive receiver they have the minute he steps foot on campus. Micah Gilbert is having a dynamic year. Dynamic year as a senior. Logan Saldate. Dynamic year, tight end Logan did, or excuse me, um, tight end. You've got Holden Stace, Eli Raritan. Hopefully, he'll be healthy next year. Holden Stace is going to be a year older next year. Holden Stace is ahead of right now, as well ahead of where Mitchell Evans was last year. Because remember, Mitchell missed almost all off season, missed the first half of the year, only caught four balls. Three of them came in the bowl game. I mean, if you think about it, Holden Stace right now has more cut touchdown catches as a sophomore as a sophomore he has more touchdown catches or actually as many touchdown catches right now as Mitchell Levins had receptions last season at Notre Dame think about that more actually Mitchell Levins had three catches last year I thought it was four I thought he caught one in the regular season he didn't 
Holden Stace has more touchdown catches right now through seven games of his sophomore year than Mitchell Evans had last year's entire sophomore year. You look at his two five catches his whole first two years. Holden's got four receiving touchdowns already. Mitchell's going to be back next year, but now those guys are going to be a year older. You bring in Jack Larson, who's probably going to be more of a down-the-road guy. They're trying to recruit some other players on offense. Jeremiah Love is the most explosive Notre Dame running back they've had in years. Right, uh, Jabron Payne's a good football player in the sophomore class. Jadarian Price is an explosive, explosive, explosive player in the sophomore class. Kedron Young might be the most natural running back that Notre Dame has signed at, at that position in a while. He's for his size, he's an explosive player. Aeneas Williams is a very dynamic all around player. So, the talent level at Notre Dame is not an excuse now, in my opinion. This is more coaching than it is players. And there's some of its youth. I'll grant you that. But the talent excuse is gone. And why is it gone? Because of Marcus Freeman. Because his job as a recruiter, because of Chad Bowden, a guy that he brought with him, fought to be here with him, because of the offensive coaches he signed. Yes, they're not doing a good enough job coaching right now, but the talent that they're bringing in is special. It's special. This is going to be a dynamic football team down the down the road if if Coach Freeman is willing to say, I've got to turn it loose. I've got to let it go. I've got to allow it to be explosive. Again, doesn't mean you're gonna go, hey, let's go back to 2010 and study some of study some of Chip Kelly's offense at Oregon. I'm not saying that, but you've got to be aggressive. You got to be willing to score because here's the here's the dirty little secret that a lot of defensive coordinators don't really think about until they're in it is if your offense is explosive, that makes your defense way way more effective. Yes, you may have to be on there more, but again, with the way Marcus Freeman recruits, you can run guys out, you can rotate, you can play four corners. Think, I mean, you talk about like next year, you're gonna have Benjamin Morrison, Jaden Mickey. Chance Tucker, Ryan uh, uh, Ryan Barnes as your veterans. You're going to have uh, Christian Gray is going to be going into year two. Micah Bell, the fastest guy on your football team, is going to be in year two. And you're bringing in Leonard Moore. You're going to be loaded at corner the next couple of years. You're going to be loaded at linebacker. You've already got Nolan Ziegler and Jalen Snead, who are only going to be juniors next year. And they both redshirted last year. They're redshirt freshmen. You've got Drake Bowen. You've got Jaden Osborne. You've got Preston Center. You're bringing in Kingston Viliyama Asa. You're bringing in Bodie Cahoon and Teddy Rezac. You're going to be loaded. You can rotate. You can save their legs that way. But here's the thing. If I have an offense and go score 28 points in the first half of a game or jump on a team early, I've got a defense that I can say, hey, go get them. Go attack. Because we know we have an offense that can protect you. If you give up one, you give up one. But this is what Brent Venables did at Clemson. And this is where I say that I've, I've said this for years. That's the model Notre Dame needs to follow. Not specific scheme and, and all that, but I'm saying philosophy, development. Clemson's all about development at the time. Recruit the best talent you can, development. Marcus Freeman can b- bring in enough big-time elite players like Dabo did, which Brian Kelly didn't do enough of that. Then also you combine that with the good development players, the Foskies and the guys like that. Then all of a sudden, talent's not an issue. But but they had a defensive philosophy that was aggressive. Why? Because they knew if we give up one, we're okay because our offense can go get it right back. 
in the very next series because they can be a big play unit as well. And so it actually, that's the best way to complement a great defense in this era is to say, I'm not again, not saying you're going to be LSU 2019. They're not. They're not. But if you're willing to say we value going, and somebody actually just said what I'm about to say, which I love, Major Payne, nice job. If you value being the best offensive team in the country, as much as you value having the best defense in the country, that's how Notre Dame can be elite. Now, when I say best, I'm not talking about 50 points a game. I'm not talking about 600 yards a game. I'm talking about being the most efficient and explosive offense in the country. So, yes, you may have more yards and points because you run X number of plays more than I do. But nobody scores and puts the ball in the end zone at the rate of possessions that we do. And you can't do that in today's era playing methodical, grind out the clock, keep away football. You can't. You've got to be aggressive. And if they can do that, that's the key because the talent that Notre Dame is going to have over the next couple seasons, 24 and 25, at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and offensive line, I will put with anybody in college football. I know I'm in the minority saying that, but when I look at the God-given ability at quarterback, running back, tight end, receiver, O-line, it stacks up with anybody. Can you develop it, and can you turn it loose? That's going to be the key. And if they're willing to do that, then this football team is going to be really, really, really special. And that's what I'm looking forward to because the talent's going to come, but now it's up to Coach Freeman to say, now we're going to let it loose. I don't want a team that turns the ball over a lot, but I'm also not afraid of it. If it's an aggressive mistake, then I can live with it. You notice how he said that about the defense? Josh Burnham's penalty, Riley Mills' penalty, they were aggressive mistakes. Well, that's what a turnover sometimes can be on offense. Yeah, I don't like that he turned it over, but it was an aggressive mistake because I know next time when we get in that situation, he's not going to make that same mistake, but it's going to be a 60-yard touchdown. That's where you need to be. And if Coach Freeman's willing to let that go, then this team's going to be really, really, really good on offense moving forward with the players they have now and the players they're bringing in. And I cannot wait to see it. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep? Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash Irish. Going to wrap up with the mailbag. We're not going to get through all the questions. I do have some super chats that I want to get into here, uh, which I appreciate. Sham Rocker with a super chat. Thank you, Sham Rocker. Does it seem to you that the Notre Dame media are soft on Marcus Freeman? There was no pushback when he said the O-line played okay and all they needed to do 
was continue to progress when they've actually regressed. And that was the problem with the play calling. I, I think some of you have a very fundamental misunderstanding of what our job is in that type of setting. Uh, did you see the guy arguing with James Franklin yesterday? That was like, that's like, that's what you guys want now, better arguments, but like my job is not to go to the, pre- I don't go to press conference. I hire somebody to do that. But Tim Priester's job, Sean Steyer's job, Tim O'Malley's job is not to go to a press conference and argue with Marcus Freeman. It's not their job to go. And and, and if anybody had, with all due respect, I don't mean this to be arrogant, but if anybody in the media had the resume to go argue with the head football coach Notre Dame, it's me. Because I've coached football. I've won national championship. I've coached all Americans. I've coached conference champions. I've coached record-setting players in football at the college level, one double a and division three, but that's not the job of a press conference. The job of a press conference is to go out and say, Hey, listen, coach, what's your explanation for this? He offers it and you can push back from the standpoint of following up, but your job is not to push back from the standpoint of saying, hold on a second, your offensive line played like crap. What are you talking about? That's not their job in a press conference setting. It's not, in my opinion, meant to be a combative situation. It's meant to be a information gathering, and then you can go write your articles. And then what you can do is you can push back on it and saying, hey, this is what he said. This is what I think about it in your writing or in your articles like we do. We'll do that, right? We'll push back on things he said. Sean Davis and I did that on Monday. Um, You know, so, um, you know, to me, it, 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 it comes down to, um, going out and saying, we're going to ask the questions. He's going to say whatever he's going to say, and then we react to it in our content. That's the job. So it has nothing to do with being soft. I, I really get tired of this. And this would be a great opportunity for me to hammer the nerdy, oh, there you go. But that's not what it is. I'm asking, I actually thought some of the questions on Saturday were very, or for Monday were very pertinent. Hey, you ask the question, he answers it. It's not your job to argue with them. It's not your job to go out there and say, hey, you know, listen, no, the offensive line did. Because if you break down the film, the O-line actually did some pretty good things inside. I believe he said more so the guards played well. I thought the guards played better than I thought as well. I said that yesterday. The tackles played poorly. Well, but are, are you going to argue with him until he says, yeah, you're right. Blake Fisher sucked and Joe Walt had the first game. Is that Would that be what makes you guys happy? He's not going to do that. It's not going to, nor should he do that. Now, what I want him to do, is get in Joe Rudolph's office and rip Joe Rudolph a new one because of how his group played and then have that group go out there and play better. That's what I care about. I don't care about what he says as a press conference. And I get so tired of, of these people that sit back and aren't ever at press conferences and, and criticize the questions that are asked. Right. Like I, so I, I think my issue when people, I say people are too soft on Brian Kelly. It's not that they were asking him tougher questions. Cause I never went at Brian Kelly at a press conference either. And when I used to go to those, it's to it's use your writing for that format, right? Use your content creation opportunities for that. Not to create an argument at a press conference. I, I just, that's not, it, that's not what it's meant to be in my opinion. It, it's not. And I don't know what other people are saying about the offensive line performance in their own content. That would be more of what it's like. But the fact of the matter is, is there, 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 there is pushback in our content creation here. Sean Davis and I did that yesterday. Ryan or on Monday, Ryan did that yesterday. Things he didn't like about what coach Freeman said. That's when that should be done. Not creating an argument 
at a press conference or trying to call him out or play gotcha or be like, because what's he's not going to change it. He's not going to no, you're right, man. Now that you said that, you know, the offensive line did really crappy. You don't need us to tell you that. If you think the offensive line played like crap, you don't need me to go challenge Marcus Freeman and finally badger him into admitting the offensive line played like crap. That's just not the nature of, of, of this relationship. And, um, you know, that's just kind of uh, where, where it needs to be. Next super chat is from Josh Miller. Do you think losing the Fiesta game, throwing for 50 times, made Coach Freeman to overcorrect in big games? Thanks for everything. No, I don't think so. I think that was more about just the nature of that game. And, yeah, I I don't. I, I really don't. I uh, I get where you're coming from. I mean, I think it's a fair question, Josh. I, I think it's something worth, at least worth thinking about. I think it has more to do with he wasn't trying to insert his entire philosophy for that game. He was legitimately trying to get them out with a W. And so they just kind of ran what they ran, that what they've kind of been doing most of the year. His his DNA was really implanted onto the – that's why I never talk about the Oklahoma State game when I talk about his record or successes and failures. If he would have won the game, we would have talked about it because as a program it would have meant something for the program, but it wouldn't have necessarily been a a, a Marcus Freeman win per se. Yeah. His DNA got put on the team in that offseason, in that January coming out of it, in February, March, April, May, June, and July, the good and the bad, right? And so I don't, I just don't look back at that game and, and think it has as much to do. Well, I just think this is who he is. I think this is this is who he wants to be. Now, the question is, will he adjust and adapt or not? And a perfect example to me is Georgia. I mean, when you when you look at Georgia. You know, Kirby Smart, his first couple years, you know, I mean, I know they had the team that wouldn't play for the title, but honestly, the big part of the reason that they couldn't win was because they couldn't score. I mean, you only scored 23 points in overtime against Georgia. You scored 17 in your loss to Bama. You scored only 20 against Notre Dame. You know, you you you, you come out the next year with Jim Chaney, and yeah, they're a good football team. They went they went 12 and 2, right? 11 and 3. I'm looking at now 11 and 3. And you couldn't score in the big games. You scored 16 in a loss to LSU. You scored 28 in a loss to Bama. You scored 21 in a loss to Texas. Yeah, you ran, wrecked up a lot of points on teams that weren't any good. But you couldn't score in the big games. It was You're just trying to out-talent people. Things started to change for Georgia when he hired uh, Todd Munkin, in my opinion. 2019 was, was even worse. They scored 10 in a loss to South Carolina, 10 in a loss to LSU, 26 in a bowl win over, over Baylor. They scored, only scored 21 in a road win over Auburn. Uh, only scored 24 against Florida. Like They just couldn't score. Scored only 23 in a game against Notre Dame. Game they, I mean, he looked at that and said, boy, there's a lot of games we could have lost. So he goes out in 2020, and he hires Todd Munkin. And that first year, it got a little better. You know, they scored 20, 28 in a win over Florida, or lost to Florida, 24 and lost to Bama. Scored 44 against Tennessee. You know, it got a little bit better, but you look at that 2021 team, that Georgia team started to learn how to really be an explosive offense later in the year, and then 2022, even more so. So in 2019, they scored 30.8 points. So let's let's look at it this way. They scored 35 points the year they went to the college football championship game. They scored 37.9 the next year. 
lot of that was against kind of padding stats against really bad teams, 66 against UMass, 49 against Middle Tennessee, 45 against Austin P. 41 against Vanderbilt, 45 against a bad Georgia Tech team, a lot of padded stats. And so coaches don't look at padded stats. 2019, only 30.8 points per game. Your first year under Mark Munkin, you go 20, 32.3, but you could you could see things were starting to change. You're trying to figure out your quarterback position. The next year, 2021, they go 38.6. And they had some padded stat games then too, 56 against Charleston Southern. But overall, they started being more dynamic offensively. 56, 40, 62, 37, 34, 30, 34, 43, 41, 56, 45. They scored 24 in the loss to Bama, but then 34 against a really good Michigan defense, and then 33 in your rematch against Bama. More consistency scoring the scoring points and still only gave up 10.2 points per game. 2022, they really took another big step, and they scored 41 points a game. And it was a, it was a relative consistent thing where they could just kind of go out and score. In the last three games of the year, the SEC title game, the playoff game, and then the title game, they scored 50, 42, and 65. Right Now, are there games they didn't score a bunch of points? Yeah, sure. And the defense bailed them out in some of those games. Defense played great uh, in the win over Tennessee. Defense played great in the win over Kentucky. You had to bail you out a little bit. Neither side played very well against Missouri. But they realized when, with Todd Munkin, hey, you can win a championship scoring a lot of points, and you need – to score. Kirby Mark Smart figured that out. Now Coach Freeman has to figure it out. Kirby Smart went through two coordinators before he made the right hire. Hopefully Marcus Freeman can figure it out with the current hire he has. That's the, the ideal scenario is that, that Jared Parker's that guy. That, that's the perfect world. We can debate whether he is or isn't. I'm not trying to have that argument right now. The point I'm making is simply that hopefully he can be that guy. That's that's the hope. Um. That's really kind of where you want to be. And if he's willing to make that change, then this team is going to make a similar jump to Georgia. Because for all the stuff about, you know, Notre Dame can't win and, and got something in the chat just constantly saying they're they're stuck in the past, stuck in the past, stuck in the past, stuck in the past. Well, um, okay, so was Georgia, I guess, right? But Georgia finally said, okay, we can't play the way we did back when we won Herschel Walker. We got to do something different. Okay. Well, Notre Dame hasn't won in 35 years. They can't win. You know, you know how long it was between Georgia's championships? 40 years, 40 years. Georgia won in, what, 1980, right? So, and then their next title was, what, 1981? Or, I mean, uh, 2021? So, Vince Dooley won a title, I think it was 1980, right? They beat Notre Dame. So, his title was in 1980. Last time Georgia won a national championship. And so, they went 40 years before winning. And what was the thing that was the catalyst for it? And changed their defense at all. Still playing great defense. What's the difference? Kirby Smart realized in today's era, I got to be able to score. He didn't sacrifice defense. They're giving up 13 points a game this year, scoring 40.7. Last year, they scored 41.1. They only gave up 14.3. They gave up 10.2 the year before with 38.6. So with Todd Munkin as your offensive coordinator, your last two years, you gave up 10.2 and 14.3 points per game, but you averaged about 40 a game. Didn't have to sacrifice defense. Matter of fact, it makes your defense a little bit better. It makes it a little bit more dynamic because you, the, the pressure's off of them. And if Coach Freeman figures that out, then I think he's going to be effective. And if and if if for some reason that game did get to him, Josh, and let's say you are right, because I, I honestly I don't know, then he's got to realize like you can't. There's a happy medium here. They threw the ball like what sixty times that day. Uh, no one's calling for that. 
Nobody's calling for that. You've got to be able to run the football in Notre Dame. There's, there's no, there's no. Dis, I don't dispute at all his desire to be a a a line driven program. That is perfectly fine, perfectly fine. Because you know what Georgia had the last couple of years, really good line play on both sides of the ball. It's nothing wrong with that, but skill matters a lot too. And you've got to let your skill loose. What's the point of recruiting the skill kids they're recruiting? If you're like, what's the point of bringing in Jeremiah Love and Kedron Young and Cam Williams and Jaden Greathouse and Braylon James and Micah Gilbert and Deuce Knight and CJ Carr and and all these guys if you're not going to turn them loose? Turn them loose. And and that's going to be the key is if he's willing to do that. That that's what's going to determine if if Marcus Stream is going to be a good coach at Notre Dame. Because again, we're complaining about a five and two top twenty five team. He's not terrible. It's just it, the desires championships, and that's really what's going to come down to. Zach thirty two with a super chat. Thank you, Zach. Is there no if there is no improvement in the wide receiver for the rest of the year? How likely is it the Stucky will still be around? I mean, Zach, you know me well enough to know I'm not going to talk about that. It, that's not my job. Um, I'll tell you this: if there's no improvement the rest of the year, Coach Freeman and Coach Stuck, you're going to have to have some very long conversations about what changes. I'm not going to advocate for people to be fired. I've never done that, never will do that, unless someone's doing something unethical. And I've never heard a word about Chancey Stuckey doing anything remotely like that. Uh, he's a man of faith and all those type of things. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, fire Stuckey. Go. What I'm going to tell you is the job he's doing right now, I don't like. He's got to get better. The answer is not always firing people. I know that's kind of what everybody wants to do. Mac Brown had an offense that wasn't good enough early in his career. And he had an offensive coordinator named Greg Davis. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that, that Texas back then was just not good enough to go out there and beat Oklahoma because every time they play Oklahoma, their offense would get completely shut down. Greg Davis was their offensive coordinator in 2002 when they couldn't score against LSU and they were an underachieving team. He was their offensive coordinator in 2001 uh, when they went 11-2 but got dominated by Oklahoma, lost 14-3. He was their offensive coordinator in 2003. Uh, when they got dominated by Oklahoma 65 to 13 and then lost to Washington State in the uh, Holiday Bowl and only scored 28 points. And he did he fire him? No. But you know what he said? This isn't good enough. They went out in 2004, lost to Oklahoma 12 to nothing. But that began a period where they changed their offense. And in 05, the offensive changes really took into account. And they went out there that year, they beat Oklahoma 45 to 12. They went on the road and beat Ohio State. That team scored a lot of points. Big 12 title game. They beat Colorado 70-3, to and then they won a shootout against USC. You go back and look at that Texas team. They had like eight NFL players in their defense, but they knew to beat USC, you got to score. And, and so Mac Brown didn't fire anybody. He didn't go out there and say, Greg, you're not getting the job. I'm going to fire you. He, what he said was, Greg, this isn't good enough. I know you're a good football coach, but what we're doing isn't good enough. Philosophy is not what it needs to be. We've got to change. What kind of athletes can we get in here? What kind of quarterbacks can we get in here? They went out there and started getting run-throw quarterbacks. Got Vince Young, got Cole, uh, Colt McCoy, guys that were run-throw quarterbacks. And all of a sudden, running a completely different offense, no more fullback, tailback, 21 personnel, it was, we're going to spread it out. We're going to be athletic. We're going to get on the move, change their offense, and won a title and almost won another during that stretch with those two quarterbacks. Didn't fire the coordinator, but said, we're going to we're going to change. And so 
firing a coach is not always the answer. But it's okay. if you don't like what a coach is doing, just firing him isn't the only – because if you go hire somebody else that does the same exact thing, sit down and say, hey, look, man, we need to do it differently. What can we do differently? Let's get better. Let's focus on getting better. I'm tired of all this fire, 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 fire. How about we sit down with good football minds and say, this isn't good enough, but what can we do to get better? And if you don't think the coach is capable of making that change, and I understand changes have to be made, but I'd much rather talk about that. I'm never going to talk about firing coaches uh, because I've been a coach. I've had to come home and tell my wife, I hate to tell you, but I don't have a job anymore, so we're going to have to move. Well, what what job are you going to have? I don't know yet, but we'll figure it out. You know, I'm never going to advocate for that. I'm never going to advocate to to fire this coach so – uh, I can hear about how he had to go home and tell his wife and kids and he have a job because fans on the message board are pissed about the points they scored that weekend. These are real people. I'll criticize the job you're doing and I'll give you football reasons why you got to do better, but I'm just not going to do that. And so whether or not coach Stucky's going to be around, that's not my decision. That's Marcus Freeman's decision. And I'll talk about whatever decisions he makes, but what I care about is the receiver rooms got to get better. They got to play better. They got to be coached better. Simple as that. No matter who's coaching them. And right now, Chancey Stuckey's the coach, and I want Chancey Stuckey to do a better job and be, do the best job he can, because he's recruiting his butt off. So why would you not want the guy that's recruiting really well to also just get better as a coach? He's been a coach for three years. He's not a finished product. The key is, do you have the coaching operation intact to then challenge him to be better? That's going to be the key. Raymond Harden says, I'll raise your timeout with a super chat. Just got my Adidas pullover today. Love it. Go Irish. Raymond, I hope you saw my, my comment. I meant to, I was getting ready to put someone else in a timeout. And then it bumped the, uh, you, you tech, you, uh, put a chat in. And so when I clicked on it, I clicked on yours. That's why I hate managing the chat when I'm doing a show. So that's my fault, buddy. Uh, did not mean to, uh, to boot you out of the, uh, of the show. Another super chat from T Smith 0323 converting third converting third downs and bully them doing it. I'm I'm with you on that man. Um again it's this is a mindset game, right? This is a mindset game for Notre Dame. It's how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to be better? How bad are you sick of what how you're feeling right now? Right? Are you okay with how you're feeling right now? Cuz if you're okay with how you're feeling right now then then go out there and play with the same energy. Go out there and practice with the same energy level. Go out there and play with the same energy level you had the last two weeks and see how you feel then. Maybe some people like feeling this way. Okay, well, I don't want to win with those guys because I'm not going to win with those guys. This is a gut check game for the coaches, for the players, for everybody. So I'm with you, T. Smith. That's where it's got to be. Michael S., I left the country three weeks ago at 4 uh, o'clock and came back with two, 4-0 and came back with two of three losses. What went wrong? What were we wrong about QB online coaching assistance? That's not what we're wrong about, man. They're not playing well. Certain positions aren't playing well, and they need to play better. It's as simple as that. A lot of things went wrong, including they played good teams and didn't execute the moments they needed to execute. That's ultimately what went wrong. Michael Les with another super chat. Thank you, Michael. And I hope you had a good time. I know you're out of the country. I hope you had a great time, by the way. I think SC's performance is due to lack of focus late in games. Notre Dame will get SC's full attention and focus your opinion. Yeah, I don't think that's it. I mean, they they were down to Arizona 17 to nothing in that game. That wasn't about lack of focus late. You could say that about Colorado, sure. But you can't say that about Arizona State. And you can't say that about Arizona. I mean, they 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 were, like I said, they were down 17 nothing to Arizona 
in that game. Uh, Arizona State, it was 14-10 in the second quarter. USC scores to make it 21-10. Arizona State comes down to make it 21-13. USC scores early in the third quarter. Arizona State goes right down the field, uh, turns a 24-13 game into a 24-21 game. USC kicks a field goal, make it 27-21. USC scores a touchdown early in the fourth quarter. Uh, to make it a two-touchdown game, Arizona State comes right back down the field two and a half minutes later, scores again to make it 35-28. Not until USC scored that last touchdown with seven minutes left were they able to finally put some distance and keep distance. Uh, so, no, I don't I don't think that's it at all. I, I don't. USC scored first to make it 7 nothing. Arizona State scored in less than a minute and a half to make it 7-7. There was no point in time where USC jumped on them big and then and then faltered because they weren't focused. You could say that again about the Colorado game, but you can't say that about the two Arizona games. You can't. That's not how those games played out, in my opinion. Uh, and, and, and again, you know, I, I kind of talked about that a little bit, but San Jose State's another example. That, matter of fact, USC played better late than they did early. So it wasn't it wasn't a um, lack of focus late in games. It was 21 to 14 game at halftime. 21-14 game at halftime, USC uh, was up on them. That's it. They put it away in the second half. USC only scored one touchdown in the first quarter. It was a tie game in the second quarter, 7-7. Seven to seven. USC scored twice and, you know, had a long touchdown pass. Uh, ridiculous. That was that crazy run around, just heave it type of play. And then they had another touchdown pass, and then San Jose State came down and scores 21-14 game. So, uh, no, I don't think this has to. Their numbers have to do with um, starting like blowing teams out and then losing losing late. That's not how that's played out. Sean Michael with a super chat. Thank you, Sean. Brian watched the 2006 AFC title game last night and thought that Colts offense might be something their name could implement. Thoughts? Uh, thanks as always. The 2006 Colts team. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm pulling up their season now. I I don't remember enough about that team. Is that that's the team that? Um, is that the team that lost to the Saints or beat the Bears? Let me look it up real quick. That's the team that beat the Bears in the Super Bowl. Honestly, I, I couldn't tell you if you know if that's what it would be. I, I really couldn't. It's hard for me to look at an offense that's got like what four guys that should be Hall of Famers, and and tell you that that Notre Dame needs to be like that offense. Um. Is it was the philosophy great, or do they just have great players? I, I I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I didn't watch enough of that team for me to be able to have a really strong opinion on that. I'm not ducking it. Actually, they they only had three all of guys. I think are all of famers. Edron wasn't on that team. Joseph Adai was their running back. I'm looking at it now. But Marvin Harrison was a hall of famer. I think Reggie Wayne should be a hall of famer. Peyton was a hall of famer. So, uh, I just don't know enough about that team to be able to answer that question honestly. I mean, look, Notre Dame's needs to be balanced. They need to be able to run the football. They need to have big-time players at running back. Or, I mean, don't have to. It's great if you do. You need to be really good at tight end. You need to be great in the offensive line, but you also need to be able to be outstanding on the perimeter. I, I, I think the balance of the team that they had with, like, Edron, was like Edron James, and, and you had those receivers where you were dynamic in every way. You want to have an offense to where if you want to stop our run game, fine, we've got other things we can do. If you If you want to take out our receivers and put all your attention on our receivers, that's cool. You know, we'll still come at you. We'll still hurt you in other ways, right? There's, there's all, 
you want to just be that kind of balanced team where you can really hurt people. You know, that year, the Colts, I'm looking at it, you know, Dallas Clark was a little banged up that year. He didn't play the whole season, but their two tight ends combined for 67 catches for 740 yards. So if you try to take the receivers out, they'd go out and make plays. You know, your running backs caught a lot of yards that year. Your running backs had over 500 receiving yards that year. So it's just, you got to be able to beat teams in a lot of different ways, running, passing, and, and different ways within that and different players. And so from that standpoint, I do know enough about that Colts team to say, you know, that's a team that can hurt you in a lot of different ways. But as far as the specifics, I couldn't really, I couldn't really get, get into it. Mike Farino says super chat. Thank you, Mike. Last couple of years, Georgia was a top five offense overall. And and that's, that's kind of my, my point, right? Like why did Ohio state, you know, cause Mike's an Ohio state fan, but why did Ohio state, with a, a really good offense last year and a really good offense in, in 2021 that scored 45.7 points per game, you know, why why did they lose two games? Because their defense got their butts kicked against Oregon and Michigan, right? Uh, why did Ohio State, in, in, in my opinion, not were they not able to win, um, you know, titles and, or get to the playoff in 2018? Because their defense wasn't good enough, Right. Great offense, bad defense. Same same thing opposite way is the great teams, the teams that win consistently are really good in both areas to varying degrees. And and so what makes what made the Ohio State team so good in 2014 that won a title is because about middle of the year, they started being a lot better on both sides of the ball and playing better on both sides of the ball. And that allowed them to go out there and be successful and finish much stronger. And that to me is what most teams are good at. I, you know, I, I could be wrong, but I think this Ohio state team is better than last year's Ohio state team just as a team. And we'll find out overall if that's true or not. I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but the reason I say that is, is because no, they're not, they're not as good as they were last year on offense. They're nine points down from what they were last year, nine points down. But here's the thing that people aren't talking about their margin, their difference between their, points scored and points allowed right now is greater than it was last year. But everybody says, well, they were so much better on offense last year. Yeah, they scored 44.2 points per game. They gave up 21. So the point differential was 23.2. Right now, they're scoring 35 points a game, giving up 10.2. The difference is 20 to be 24.8. So the difference is the same. The the offense is is not as good. It's still good. The defense is 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 much better. Now they they've got to get healthy and and do some different things and and be able to score against some of the better teams on, that they're going to play. They can't beat Michigan scoring seventeen points, for example. I don't think anyway. But I think this Ohio State team has got a chance to be really good because I think their offense will get better. But they're so much better on defense but they're also not afraid to go out there and attack and be aggressive. And, and, and that's kind of basically where you get down to. That's where they need to get to. And that's what I'm hoping they can get to for Notre Dame. Nathan Milton with Super Chat. How does run get established with loaded boxes? I mean, you find angles. You, you, you say, okay, where are they loaded from? Uh, you know, do we need to do some things where we can quickly get the ball outside? Are they crashing off the edge? Then you can do things to get it outside. You can run some pin and pull stuff. But you got to be able to throw the football to hurt them. Um, but here's the thing. Their loaded boxes aren't going to be the same as NC State's loaded boxes. Like the 80-yard touchdown run that Notre Dame had against NC State, that was against a loaded box. They went overload, put a t- tackle over, 
and ran power. So they took the NC State numbers and they overloaded with them numbers. They put the t- two tackles side by side. They had a tight end there, so they ran a kickout block, brought another guard back around. They had numbers. They could get a body on a body against a loaded block, a loaded box, play side, and they're able to run it. Okay. So, you know, you run some of your runs, they're crashing backside, have some reverses, have some jets, have some things that you can do to hurt them in that situation, but then also to hold that backside. So even though they've got more numbers, you've got two guys, I and Chris Tyree or Jordan Faison or whoever on that reverse, because you just ran for 25 on the play before, those are all ways to control different things. But throwing the football is obviously going to be important too. But you can still you can still have success against this defense loading the box. If Ohio State's loading the box – you're going to find something else to do. This team is in Ohio State. Michael Campbell asks, "What? Uh, thank you for Super Chat, Michael. What's your dream offensive playbook for Notre Dame, NFL, or college, especially the passing game? I'm, I'm, I mean, this is college football. You need to be a college offense. But, I mean, there's there's more carryover pass game-wise between NFL and college than there's ever been. So I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I don't really have a preference for what Notre Dame needs to do. Hire somebody that's really good. So hire somebody that's balanced, that's that can put a dynamic offense on the field. I don't care if he's a, you know, I I just don't think the thing is the reason I say I don't I don't I don't think air raid would work in Notre Dame. I'm I'm for it at other places. People ask me about Tennessee. Will Tennessee's offense work at Notre Dame? I don't think it will because of the climate. You get into October and November, it's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. It's going to be rainy. You can't run your offense. A team like Notre Dame, if they're more of a pro style team that's balanced, you get and that's what's helped Michigan. Michigan doesn't have to rely on the pass game like Ohio State did in past years. So if you're in those games like 2021 where it's windy, it's cold, it's snowy, Michigan says, man, we'll keep playing our game. This is what we're built for. Or Ohio State's like, we couldn't run our game because of this. Last year, they get the cold, crazy wind against Northwestern, and Ohio State could do nothing against Northwestern because they couldn't just line up and pound the ball. Notre Dame played Clemson that same weekend, threw for 85 yards, but they crushed Clemson. They made some plays on, on defense and all that. But they ran for 286 yards against against Clemson that day because they were built to say, we're going to come out there. Now, be that team, but then also that team that also has the ability to be more dynamic throwing the football. You know, you I, I could tell you this. What would be more perfect for me is not the perfect offense, but a team that's, you know, you've got a quarterback that's that's going, you know, averaging 28 passing plays a game. You know, you're, you're completing, you know, 20 out of 28, you know, 20 22 out of you know 32 at the most you know something like you know 20 of 29 so you're around that 68 to 70 percent mark you know you're averaging you know let's say you're averaging 29 attempts a game you're averaging like nine yards an attempt that's that's 261 yards you know you, you put that out of the course of an entire season, that's 300, 331 yards. That's an average day. But some games, you're going to go, you're going to be much more than that. You're going to be, you're going to have a better numbers. You, hey, you're going to be 13 because you just had a big game. But when you have those type of, when you have that efficiency and you're able to run the football, so you're throwing for 280 a game, you're running for 210 a game, and all of a sudden you're dynamic. Some games you got to throw for 350, some games you got to run for 260. But you've got to have that ability to be dynamic doing both things and be efficient and explosive doing both things. I've said this a million times. You don't got to be a super fast tempo team to score a ton of points. You don't have to be an air raid team to score a ton of points. You don't have to throw the ball for 400 yards a game to score a ton of points. Can teams like, you know, can can USC do that? Yeah, they can win games scoring a ton of points. Can they win a championship? I don't know that they can. 
because you're going to play a defense that's good enough to, to keep Caleb Williams in check. Can you go run the ball on those teams? What if you play a game where it's 25 mile an hour wins and raining? Can you can you go win the game that way? I don't know. Can Washington do that? I don't know. Georgia can. Right? Notre Dame can if they if they do what I think that they can do in future years. That's going to be the key, Michael. So I'm just not one of those people that says you got to do it the way that I like it. Uh, you need to be a a balanced team. I kind of like the idea of pro style. I'm fine with that. Some of, that's more my philosophy. But there's other things you can do. But you've got to be balanced. You've got to be efficient and explosive, running and throwing the football. If you can do that and you've got talent, you're going to be pretty darn good. So that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Um, I want to thank you all, guys. You all, all of you guys and gals, for being with me today. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, it's going to be uh, going to be a fun weekend. We'll be we got soup. We got uh, Sean and Sean and Sean tonight, I believe, for our uh, Wednesday mailbag, and then we'll be back tomorrow, Ryan and I, for our keys to victory and prediction show, and then we'll have a recruiting show on Friday. So we got a lot going on. Hey, folks, sign up for the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. We're really trying to get that community up. We've had just real steady growth, but if you're a regular listener here and you haven't jumped on board there, you're missing out. Also, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Give us a five-star review. All that good stuff. Have a great, even more important, have a great rest of your day. And we'll talk to you again very, very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.